Love Talk Radio. Skybox. This is Chills and Chance. 
CNC in the building. Pretty much. Pretty much. All it's about. So, man, we, I guess we, we, had, we, had a busy, we, we had a busy week. Yeah, but, Before I you know, get, let's... What, what, go ahead. Before we really get into anything, I actually want to send a special prayer out to uh, Lamar Odom and his family. Yes. Uh, oh, yesterday, uh, Lamar Odom was hospitalized in Nevada. All I gotta say I is this. Like, yeah. I just want to say, I just, I just want to say this because a lot of people are, you know, speculating, wondering what, what happened. One thing I can say is, and I know all about it. You never know what somebody's going through until something like this happens. And, you know, I pray that he comes out of it. Last I heard that he was 50-50 because his organs were failing and they don't know how much damage his brain from his organs failing and everything like that. So, again, you never know what a man is going through until something like this happens. And obviously he was going through something that he ended up in a brothel unconscious and had to be taken to a hospital. So if you have loved ones that, you know, are going through something like depression, any kind of depression, anxiety, you know, don't shake it off, don't shrug it off, don't just sweep it under the rug. Be there for them because you're going to kick yourself and you're going to kick yourself if something happens to them or they decide to kill themselves and you did nothing but sweep it under the rug. So, you know, again, you know, prayers out to Lamar Odom and his family. Hopefully he pulls through and, you know, still is able to get help. And is able to get help. Right. Right. For those who know, who don't know Lamar Odom outside of being a Chloe Kardashian's ex-husband, uh, he's a two-time NBA champion. He's also a... Multiple time to get awesome. Former six man of the year award winner. But yeah, he, he, did, he had a good he had a good career. He had a good career. Something about that is something I saw earlier that actually made me think like, wow, what could have been? I was saying pictures of our older like one picture that stuck out to me was the picture of him with the uh, Los Angeles Clippers during during the first run. It was a picture of him, Elton Brand, and Jerry Smiley. Man, Elton Brand, damn, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, this was, I mean, that, that was a great team. Like, I mean, they were all young at the same time. I mean. They was full of energy. They was at the, they wasn't even at the height of their careers. They were still able to bang like they should have been. I think about this team when they had Darius Miles, when they had Elton Brand, when they had Corey McGetty, when they had Lamar Odom, when they had Quentin Richardson. If that team, if that young squad would have had the proper head coach to take them to hell playoff contention. That young team could have been an NBA champion in five years. They'd have come together. 
I mean, granted, they did trade Darius Miles for Andre Miller. However, that lineup they had, they had a. I mean, granted, Michael Ola Candy wasn't the best center they could have drafted, but but that lineup, I mean, Elton could have played fucking center. Elton could have played center. D. Miles could have played small forward. Lamar could have played could have played power. I mean, you had Maggette and Richardson both with a split time at, at two guards. And really, all you needed was a point guard that could have controlled the tempo of the game. That's all they needed. With a, with a solid bench. That team could have been something special. That Clipper team could have been better than a Clipper team with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan on it. I mean, in my opinion, they had that much more talent. Mm, yeah. What could have been? I mean, it's like, I'm like, damn, what could have been? Yeah, well, like I said, hopefully, you know, Lamar pulls through this and, you know, is able to get the help that he needs so that, you know, this doesn't happen again. But uh, a part of me thinks that even if he pulls through this, he is never going to be the same because when you have organ failures, it's not like, you know, your life basically changes, especially when your kidneys fail. That means he's going to be on dialysis for the rest of his life for the most part. So he he's got a long road ahead of him if he if he get comes out of this he's got a long road ahead of him again dialysis basically for the rest of his life along with whatever other treatments he's got to have for his other organs failing um, and again he might be he's apparently I think he's on life support because he, he might have suffered a lot of brain, damage to his brain uh, like I said I don't I've, I've seen a lot of conflicting reports. About it, so you know, until I get a you know def- a definitive, I really you know don't know what to to make of the whole situation. Sure. But uh, I do I do want to you know I do want to slide over to the to the NHL uh, portion before we get really deep into. You know, of course, we're going to talk NFL, but I want to talk about NHL. Everybody, anybody who's anybody knows that the season has already kicked off, um, and the Caps already having some some issues already. And the season is just the season just started, and they already have issues. Um, for people who don't know, yesterday uh, their their star player, number eight, the Grade Eight, Alex Ovechkin. Uh, did not play um, in yesterday's game against the San Jose Sharks, in which they were shut out five to nothing. Um, and there was a lot of speculation as to why he didn't play. Apparently, they were, the what was put out was it was he was a healthy scratch for personal reasons. Today, it was put out that the reason why he he did not play in that game was because he overslept. The morning yesterday morning he overslept and missed a skate around and Coach Barry Trotz told him that you know you miss a skate around you can't play 
So he basically was benched because he missed the skate around. He said that his alarm clock was set wrong and it didn't wake him up. He ended up missing the skate around, so that's why he didn't play. Um, and then today, apparently, uh, Coach Trot had the team out there for practice, and literally 30 minutes into the practice, he ended the practice and told him to get off the ice. So it seems like the Caps are already having issues, and the season literally just started. So that, in my opinion, that doesn't pull, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence that the Caps would be a contender this year unless, you know, they get it together. I mean, luckily, hockey's a long season, not like the NFL where they only have – they play 16 games and then they have the playoffs. Hockey is a long season, so there's a lot of time for them to get together, but I just don't like how the, how the season started. And especially getting shut out the way they did against San Jose, that that's even that's an even another thing. It's like whoa, that 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 you know that shouldn't really happen, but it did. But um, yeah, point. But um, I'm definitely looking for you know looking forward to this hockey season. You know, the Caps did lose some um, did lose some players to free agent. Lose a couple players to free agency, most notably Joel Ward, who was. A stalwart for the Cats for a number of seasons here in D.C. Uh, he's moved on. There's a couple other people that moved on. So you know, the Cats have you know have got to adjust and you know try to make do with what they have. I, you know, I, they look like they're going to be a very talented team. But like I said yesterday, was not a very good indication of how they're going to do this season, getting shut out by the San Jose Sharks. But um, we'll see how the, we'll see how the season goes. Hopefully, you know, hopefully the Caps will finally be the team that breaks that uh, that D.C. championship team curse and, you know, finally breaks through and wins the Stanley Cup. But we'll see. Right now, I'm not really holding yeah, my breath. Yeah, we shall. Like, I mean, right now, like, I mean, I know this is early. I'm not – I can't really put too much in. Right. Fucking October, I want to be like, you know what? Caps are already disappointing. I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna let this season play out before I really start making any judgments towards them. I just wish they. I just hope they play better than they did last season. Right. I think everybody who's a Caps fan hopes that that they play better than they did last season. Um, you know, hopefully they that that the whole team can contribute something, and they don't have to keep relying on. On Ovi to do everything, you know, they got they. I mean, the Caps have got to put a team around Ovi if they're going to be successful. And hopefully, they've done that this year. And hopefully, Barry exactly. Trotz has the has you know has put the tools in place to be able to make that run. But only time will tell. I mean, that, I mean that's the thing though. It's like in a regular season they would look great. When it comes down to the playoffs, like, I mean, Veskin has zero help. Like, I mean, give him some real de- defensiveness. Give him some, give him a, a, some reliable force, some reliable guard. Like, put my man out here. Give him a real scoring, a second scoring option where he can actually pass the puck to somebody that can actually take some of that pressure off of him. Build right. an actual team around him that can contribute. During the postseason, 
I mean, that seems to be that seems to be the the story of the uh, the story here in DC is that you get a star player, but you don't build a team around them. You expect them to be able to work with what's there, and then when they don't, it's automatically the, the star's fault that the team is you know not doing well. Look at RG three; they barely put a team around him, and now he's basically a th- the number three quarterback is barely not even dressing for games now, and he was the number two overall pick in 2012. Uh, you look All at right. uh, uh, you look at John Wall and the Wizards. They're, they're, they started to put a team together for him, and the Wizards have started to look pretty good the last couple of seasons. It's just, you know, what will happen this season? Will they actually break through or not? Um, and then you look at the Caps again. Ovi is, you know, their star player, their franchise player. you got to put people around him that are going to, you know, make the team better, and especially goaltenders. Uh, hopefully the goaltender situation will get better as the season goes instead of having a goaltender giving up five-plus goals a game. If that's the case and the offense ain't scoring, they're going to lose a lot of games. Yeah, like I said, I wish them, I wish them the best. But let's move on, though. Uh, I was just – before we actually got into this conversation, I was actually – Actually, for the uh, the AP poll, the AP top twenty-five poll, college football, something we haven't really talked about this year for well, this season. Dude, of course, Ohio State is number one. Dude, I mean, Maryland almost Maryland took Maryland took Ohio State to the limit for like three and a half quarters, and then all of a sudden Ohio yeah, State man. realized that wait, we're the number one team in the nation. We're not supposed to be losing to no. We're not supposed to be tied with no unranked team in our in our conference, and it ended up laying an ass whooping on them. But but because of that, since you brought up college football, that did cost Randy Etzel his job. And all I gotta say is, it's about friggin' time that that jackass got fired. Because good lord, ever since ever since Ralph Friedrich left Maryland as their head football coach, this program has gone downhill ever since. And Randy Essel did nothing to improve it. They barely was. They've been barely, you know, competitive. I mean, last year they were pretty competitive in their first season in the AC in the uh, Big Ten. But this year they just been. They just been awful. I mean, that, I mean, that's the word I'm looking for. You know, that's the word I would use. Go to be the starting quarterback because he is god awful. I mean, shout out to uh, Hills, though. I mean, he ran all over Ohio State. Yeah, Jeremy Hill was Jeremy Hill was off the chain, man. He needs to be the starting quarterback the rest of the season, to be honest with you, because he actually gives Maryland uh, the best chance, chance to, to win. He gives them the best chance to win. Period. Caleb Rowe does not is, cannot do it. He's already proven that. He proved that last year. He was inconsistent last year, and then this year he he was consistent, consistently shitty. So it's time to give Hill a chance to take this team and salvage his season and maybe get them into a bowl game um, later this year. Because no, right now, they, if they stick with – yeah, because if they – yeah, something. If they, stick, if they stick with Caleb Rowe at this point in time, they're basically – they're going to basically throw their season away. 
Yeah, you know, you, you know, shoot the generic cereal bowl, whatever, whatever bowl they can get into. They need to let they need to let Hills play the rest of the way because I mean, honestly, he gives them the best chance to win. Like, I mean, for a while, Ohio State couldn't stop them. They really couldn't. So I mean, you saying that the number one team in the nation couldn't stop this guy? I mean, that's a lot. That does say a lot. That says a whole hell of a lot. Because if it would have been Caleb Rowe, man, I, I think that Ohio State would have shut this team out and really dominated. So, you know, Jeremy Hill yeah. needs to be the starter for the rest of the season, and hopefully they can salvage the season and get a bowl, get into a bowl game uh, this uh, this year. They may not compete for uh, the conference title, but at least be competitive enough to get into a bowl. That's all I yeah, want. Yeah, because, I mean, Conference titles pretty much done. I mean, you got Ohio State and Michigan pretty much about to run away with that bitch. Uh, let's see. Let's well, what's, what's the the AP? Uh, Baylor is number two. Okay. Number three, TCU. So, <clears throat> Utah at number six. I mean, Utah at number four. Uh-huh. Clemson at number five. LSU okay. at number six. Michigan State at number seven. Florida at number eight. Texas A and M at nine. Alabama at ten. Florida State at eleven. Michigan at number twelve. And congrats on their big win over Northwestern. Everybody said that that was one that Northwestern defeated the most feed in the country. Yeah, that didn't matter to Michigan. Because Michigan took that, I mean, Michigan's offense took that apart. Yeah, no number 13 is Yeah, they did. Ole Miss is number 13. Notre Dame is 14. 15 is, is Stanford. 16 is Oklahoma State. Iowa is number 17. UCLA is 18. Oklahoma, 19. Northwestern is 20. Boise State is 21. Toledo is 22. Cal is 23. University of Houston is 24. And number 25 is Duke. And there you have it. Puke Devils. The Blue Devils, the known basketball school, is actually the top 25 in football. What does that tell you? Uh, they actually have a good in football. I mean, that huh? program hasn't been bad for the past few, se- past few seasons. I will give it credit. That's as far as I'm going to go, though. Right. I mean, they haven't been they, – they've been better than what they've been in recent years. I remember one time Duke used to be so bad, like, a face of suck. I mean, it did, a high school team could be on. Duke used to be so bad in football, like every ACC team marked that calendar and said, that's a win right there, period. I mean, that that's how bad they used to be. But now, yeah, nah, you can't mark that as an easy win. You might, that might be, you might have to chalk that one up as an L. So they are, they have started to come, you get better. And, um, and with more, more time, they're going to probably end up being a, a, a top team in the ACC. In football, because everybody knows that they you go they're always going to be in the conversation in basketball in the ACC. 
But pretty soon, give it another couple of years, they're going to be in a conversation of football, too, in the ACC. I mean, I mean, they will. Right now, it's Florida State and Clemson, but they might be – they give them about another couple of years, they will be in that conversation. I mean, I, I mean, look at, I mean, look at their program. I mean, look at James, look at Jameson Crowder. Yeah, he is playing. The crowd is like he He actually was a Duke product. Exactly, he balling. I mean, I can't remember the last time I said a Duke player, seen a Duke player coming from the NFL that actually look good. Yo, I don't even remember last time a Duke player got drafted to the NFL. It's really cool. I mean, he's sitting back. It's right now. Like, I mean, basketball, they sent a lot of battles that shouldn't even make it to the pros, but I can't really say for football. Right. Oh, did you hear about uh, two, two other head coaches that uh, – are leaving their positions. Well, one's leaving their position. The other one is on an indefinite leave of absence, a.k.a. they're pretty much fired. Uh, Steve Spurrier, the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, is retiring effective immediately. The old ball coach who uh, won a national championship in Florida, came to the Redskins, and basically did did absolute shit, went back to college, and turned the South Carolina program into a very – strong contender in the SEC, um, he's gone. And then over on the West Coast, USC head coach, um, I, I can't remember that Bama's name, but apparently he showed up to a practice in, quote, unquote, not very good condition to coach, uh, a.k.a. he was drunk. And so now he's on a leave of absence to get treatment. In other words, I'm, he's pretty much gone. Uh, so there's a, yeah. lot of, there's a lot of shakeup. In college football, especially um, in the coaching position, there's been a lot of shakeups. And cause, I mean, you had, you had to, I mean, look at, I mean, you had the time where everybody wants to win. Now, I mean, you got to, you got a program like USC. When was the last time they really were known for losing in football? I mean, they've been a football powerhouse for years. Even after Pete Carroll left and went to the, to the Seahawks. Yeah. I mean, they were still respectable. Now you're like, looking at the team right now, like, what the hell? Right. For all these bammers. I mean, Steve Spurry, uh honestly, I believe his time is just up. I mean, yes, he has won an extra championship, but that was years ago. You can't even get South Carolina to a top five. I mean, yeah, I understand that South Carolina has been in the years. Because of him. I'll give him that. But right now, like, I think his time is really up. I mean, the one thing, the reason why he didn't have his success in the NFL was because he was lazy as a player and lazy as a coach. It was too lazy to adapt to the pro game as a player in a coach. That's an interesting assessment there, sir. Huh? 
I said that's an interesting ex- assessment there. To say that you know he's lazy as a coach. I mean, he was able to do it in the college game. But, I mean, it it did show in the program that he wasn't you know with the times when it came to the program. Yeah, I mean, I mean the fact that he had Danny Werfel as his quarterback even says something about that too. I mean, you can't you can't come to the NFL and rebuild what you did in college. Shit ain't gonna work. Danny Werfel was a bum when he came out. Meaning he was a bum in a pro. Yes. You think that's all going to change because you go close from college? I don't know. I mean, Riddell Anthony. Like, I mean, he brought back the whole Florida game. Yeah, and they, they – and he basically tried to make the Washington Redskins into the uh, NFL version of Florida Gators, and it was an epic fail. <laughs> so, I mean, the fact he went eight and eight and for a season still surprises me. Well, speaking of, I mean, speaking of the the home team, the Redskins, man, that was a tough loss in Atlanta. Oh my God, hold up! I think I think I need to be on a, on my patio just like you, champ. Give me a minute. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to get loud. <laughs> oh yeah. Because honestly, my show also the week and rank is gonna come from this one game. Uh, so, it, it's gonna come. This one came come from the same motherfucker. Well, I say that. Before you get into it, though, I did want to I did want to point out something, though. And it was something I, I, I actually looked at uh, earlier today in preparation for, for the show because I knew that we – because you know we was going to talk about this. So mm-hmm. in preparation for the show, I decided I was going to, you know, look up some, you know, look up some stats from that game. And this is what I came, this is what I found. I'm waiting for it to, excuse me, load up. What is up with all these goddamn sirens, damn it? The only, any other side when I'm doing this show and I'm inside, none of this shit is going on. They wait till I come outside and they're like, oh, we got shit going on. Anyway. All right, so I want to give you two numbers. That's why, live, that's why I live in Greenbelt. I don't have yeah. any problem. The only thing I hear is... <laughs> well, I want to give you two numbers. 69.7 versus 55.1. That's, those were the quarterback ratings for the two quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins had a 69.7 rating versus Matt Ryan's 55.1. So essentially... Kirk Cousins played just extremely marginally better than Matt Ryan. And the only reason why is because he had because Kirk Cousins had the one touchdown pass to um to Derek Carrier who was playing tight end in place of Jordan Reed and it was his first NFL uh touchdown catch. Other than that, both of them threw two interceptions. Um Matt Ryan had ten more uh, 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 passing attempts than Kirk Cousins, forty-two to thirty-two, and had three more completions than than Kirk Cousins, twenty-four to twenty-one. He threw more. He threw for more yards, but he threw two, two, two interceptions himself. Now, yeah, so yeah, and also threw one more touchdown. But you know, again, Kirk Cousins played marginally better. Not by much, but it was enough. But it was it, it was something. But it wasn't enough 
when it came down to it in overtime when he threw that 59-yard pick six to uh, Robert Alford to end the game. So um, aside from that second interception, which ended up costing them the game, Kirk Cousins actually played a pretty decent game. He played a pretty decent game, and it could have went either way. And to be honest with you, I can't be mad about yeah. the game because of the fact that no one gave us a chance to even win that game because they're undefeated, the Falcons are. And the fact that we had a, we took it to overtime on them, you know, tells me that, you know, this team is, you know, a couple plays away from really, really being there, getting there. You know what I mean? Okay. Here's my, here's my take on it. Numbers do lie. Okay. Yes. Kirk Cousins had a better quarterback rating than Matt Ryan in the game, but Matt, let's look. Let's look at the. Let's look at the real here. Matt Ryan had more pressure than Kirk Cousins. Okay. Kirk Cousins didn't get sacked that entire game. Matt Ryan got sacked five times. Honestly, Atlanta's pass rush couldn't get to Kirk Cousins. Out of Kirk Cousins' interceptions were either overthrown or behind the receivers. I mean, yeah. Matt Ryan did throw the ball more, but once. Atlanta was was able to wear down the defense because the defense was on the field too long. They was able to run the ball. I mean, I look at I mean, I look at Kirk Cousins' performance. I mean, like compared to the defense, it was some it was some complete, it was some complete a. I mean, third down, they going for screen pass. They going for screen passes. Like switch it up. Like I mean, you got you, you was able to pull off the screen pass twice. The fuck you think? What made what made late? What made Jay Gruden think you gonna be able to pull that shit off the rest of the game in a third down situation? Okay, they seen the screen pass on one play. Would Jameson Crowder break four tackles and get a fourth, get a fourth down? We should have been tackled in the backfield. The second one, they. Green pass. They take the green pass and do it across the field. Okay. After that, I wouldn't use a screen pass in that situation because Atlanta's defense made the adjustments to it. They saw it coming. You're telling me in a third down situation. I mean, all you have, all you really have as an option is screen pass. That doesn't make sense. You have to switch it up in the NFL. You cannot use the same shit thinking this won't work the entire game. This is not fucking mad. This is the real NFL. You're not playing against the computer. You're playing against 11 other men plus coordinators who is pretty much watching what you're doing and making adjustments to what you're doing. My problem with this is Jay Gruden doesn't make adjustments, especially in the second half, which is cost the Redskins victory. Cost them a victory with one. 
Your performance in, in week three was horrible altogether. In week five against the fucking Eagles, I mean, the Falcons? That was against the Eagles. That game shouldn't have been close. The way the defense is playing, three points in the first half? I'm sorry. I, I agree. Well, now, you had two, two missed field goals. Two intercepts, three total turnovers. What the fuck happened to the point where you your offense couldn't capitalize? In a play that turned that game around, they gave Elena the go ahead and West Women's was the the Rashad Raylan interception. When he takes it when he returns damn near thirty fucking yards to the following twenty one. And the Redskins didn't get a touchdown. Once they got in, they called a fucking another screen on third down. What the fuck? Okay. I mean, just play on has been horrible. Like, okay, you run the ball, you get a nice gain out of uh, Matt Jones. Second that, second to go. Instead of running Matt Jones on the inside, run him outside. That's something I didn't see enough of in that game. Outside, you want know, you know, you want to know another stat that I I saw when I was doing my little re, um, research for for this topic. The running backs, all three running backs, combined for twenty two carries and a total of fifty yards in twenty two carries. And that's all three: that's Chris Thompson, Matt Jones, and Alfred Morris. Fifty yards out of three running backs. That's that's insane. That is insane. It, it shows you that it shows you that you're not running the ball enough. I mean, how can you expect to win when you abandon a run? You have three running backs with three different styles. Everybody say Matt Jones is a power back. However, Matt Jones can do something that Alfred really can't. Hit the outside. What's explosiveness? He has he's more elusive than Alfred Moore. He has better acceleration now for more. Also, he wants his down per carry. The more you give Alpha Moore the ball, the more effective he is. The stronger he gets, the more he'll weigh down your defense. Matt Jones, he can see you up inside and out. Chris Thompson, he will bust you in the backfield as a receiver. So between those three backs, you're telling me that he was only able to give all three a total of 22 carries. That doesn't make sense to me. Even if they're not catching, even if you're not running them, send them on the back of the receivers. Make open up your run. Hell, here's a suggestion: go back to the goddamn. Here's the interesting thing, though. Here's the interesting thing, though. One of the Facebook groups that I'm in, uh, Philip Daniels, who most people remember was the uh, former uh, defensive end for the Redskins, 
uh, has his own Facebook group, which is called Die Hard Redskins Fans. And he actually said in there that uh, when you look at the situation with the um, with the pass that ended up being picked off um, in overtime, uh, uh, Philip Daniels TV actually questioned why that pass did not go to someone like Pierre Garçon, who's a veteran. Why did it have to go to someone like Ryan Grant, who's a young player who really hasn't put himself up there to be a clutch player? Why did it not go to Garcon? And then if you look at the film, if you look at the, the film from that actual play, there was a slant wide open up on the top end, on the top half of that uh, of the formation that Cousins could have thrown to to um, – I'm maybe the, to keep the drive going and not give up the interception, but because he had a, a free rusher in his face, he had to make a quick decision, and that quick decision ended up being Grant fall, you know, falling down and ended up throwing the pick and ending the game. Okay, here's my thing. Okay, on that last play. I actually saw the film breakdown. Elena DB Alfred entire play. For the moment Kirk Cousins hiked the ball, Alfred has on him. He saw everything Kirk Cousins was to do. He saw Kirk Cousins blocking onto Ryan Grant. Kirk Cousins didn't look at any other receiver. Here's something that I talked about. Kirk Cousins Lost one to one receiver too much. When you do that, defense is going to pick that up and see where you're going. They're going to know where you're going before you even think about throwing the ball. So even if Ryan Grant didn't slip, that pass was going to get picked up or broken up or whatever. Now, I, I don't want Ryan Grant in a situation. Why? Because Kirk is the quarterback. Kirk had other options to throw the ball. Brian Grant was not open for him to throw an outside route to. If he went inside, Ryan Grant would have had the chance. I blame Kirk because he had Pierre Garcon open. He also had a matchup with Chris Thompson, one of those running backs that we just talked about, going against the linebackers. Chris Thompson also was open on that play. So on second and eight, between Pierre and Chris Thompson, why wasn't the ball thrown to either one of them? I guess we'll never know. Of course we'll not. I mean, like, I mean, how, how can you be a post-college college? You still cannot be posted. That blitz that Atlanta sent, that person didn't even see that shit coming. He didn't. 
Another thing that was was the that was noted because I saw the video from because um, Chris Cooley did a, a breakdown of that exact play and he said that you know what should have happened was you know Kurt should you know Kurt should have read that the blitz was going to come from the weak side and slid his protection towards the weak side, but instead he slid protection towards the strong side, allowing the backer to have a free rush at him and forcing him to um, the rushes throw and make that throw. You know, that's another thing, like, that most – that's something that separates the really good to the elite quarterbacks to the average to below average quarterbacks is being able to see and read where a blitz is coming from and be able to slide your prote- your protection and be able to, you know, still go through your reads. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is not that guy. RG3, unfortunately, is not that guy either, but, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to take it from RG. One, he didn't really have a true chance to develop AJ Moon's offense. Let's be honest. Um, RG is not a stay in a pocket type. That's not his one. Put him on offense where he can roll out of the pocket, where he can be in mostly play action. He'll put him on the same offense as Russell Wilson, and he will be successful. My problem with this is, I'm looking at Kirk Cousins like, okay, this has been your whole career, guy. You've been in this offense for years. This offense is tailored to your strengths. What's the excuses? I mean, you can't say poor play calling is an excuse because, I mean... You still got even if it's, the play call is not very conducive, you still got to ex- execute. Third down, the third down screens, I will blame that on play calling. So that did make sense after the first two screens. But in that situation, that was that was the, that was a great play call because he had targets open that he didn't even with him not seeing a blitz. If he had actually took time to see the front or Chris Thompson. He would have got the ball off for completion. Instead of throwing a pick, focus on the one on the receiver. Even under pressure, the quarterback is making his field to see where the ball has to go. And get the pad same time, you still want to change. It's part of the damn job. Right, right, right. Well, either way, they got to shake this one off because they got to head up to the, to the, the MetLife Stadium and face the Jets. Got to call them. Got to call them. Got to call them. Uh-oh. Who we got? Yo, 8537, eight, you won. Welcome to the Skybox. Oh, yeah. Well, well, what up, fellas? Oh, shit, I reckon I reckon Y'all know why, man. It's going to be a, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a disappointment. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. And y'all still ain't figured it out, huh? I mean, I'm sure it's I'm like... Here's my thing on it. 
at the level that this defense, the Redskins defense is playing, they can play with anyone. Anytime where you go a top five with rank all ten, three points in the first half, four, three turnovers, five sacks, and sitting constant pressure on that one. You can see what a lot of damn teams. When your offense can't, when your offense moves down, especially your quarterback cannot pick up the slack and keep your offense off the field where they can be fresh, your defense is going to get burnt out eventually. And that's what happened in that game. That game should have been a fucking blow. Well, let's, let's get our callers. Uh, let's get our callers' opinion on that. Hey, are y'all, y'all still talking about the Redskins game? Yep. Yep. Well, y'all, y'all, and I, I'm not a Redskins fan, man. I'm going to say that. I mean, but, uh, we have to drop it down, Mike. But uh, I feel that, uh, one, there's just a lot of tweaking that just needs to be done with the Redskins, period. I'm not going to argue that. But, I mean, if you want to speak, I would say leave the defense out of it. Because, I mean, this defense has looked, this is the best this defense has looked in years. Cool. I'll I mean, give you that. Had, I, will, I will give you that. Joe Murray coming in. Oh, he was 0-16 with Detroit Lions. Here's what people tend to forget about. First of all, Joe Murray was the defensive coordinator on that Lions team. However, he was not the head coach. He wasn't the he GM. Was he wasn't the owner. He was not. He wasn't no one that had any influence on the players that he was getting. That 2008 Detroit Lions team had no fucking talent. They had no talent. By the way, I think I figured out who this I, I figured out who this is, so I'm just going to, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I ain't gonna say nothing, man. All I'm gonna say is, in fact, I'm gonna take my victory come tomorrow, though. Uh huh. Yeah, I know. I know who this is. Oh, you lucky motherfucker. I'm, gonna take, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take my victory <laughs> tomorrow and reclaim and reclaim my throne. You know what I'm saying? This, you know, the whole this time, the whole time he was talking about, I mean, I knew who it was. I mean, I think mean, the top of the man, you started speaking. I was like, I'm like, all right, this is a I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah, welcome to the skybox. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, yeah, like, a lot of people, all these ignorant-ass skill fans had doubts about Drew Murray. Like, okay, not every head coach had success everywhere they've been. Like, every head, successful head coach has been a part of the league at some point it was right. Like, it is what it is. Uh-huh. But, I mean, you can't Joe Murray for Detroit. I mean, Detroit was just god awful. That 08 Lions team was terrible. There's no getting around that. There's, there's just none. I mean, and right if now, you look at that team, and right now, 2015 lines are starting eight. to look like the 08 lines. <laughs> yes. Matt Stafford got benched during the game. I was like, oh, oh, oh before, what? Before I get into that, here's my views on that. The only player from that 08 Lions team that's playing now is Calvin Thompson. 
That says a lot. And in 08, Calvin Johnson was a rookie. Wait, wait, I take that back. I take that back. This is the second season. Because Calvin got drafted in the old seven. But even still, like, I mean, I look at the team like, okay, uh, yeah, like, what the hell happened from this year to last year? Oh, their defense is just the same. They lost to and Nick Fairley, the uh, free agency. They lost. What's that by my name? Dumas, whatever. Dumas. I mean, they never, they never replaced. They, I mean, they bought in. Uh, other races. But they still haven't replaced the other inside linemen on defense. I mean, that front seven used to be top ten. Now it's not even oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah, no without question. Once they Jim Short Jim Short, that was it. Because, like, I mean, yes, okay. He had back to back losing seasons, but he kept that defense up. What they needed was a real offensive coordinator that could really keep that could really balance that team out. I mean, the Lions had a great offense; they just didn't have a run game that can compete hey, with the pass game. Hey, chill. That like that thing you just mentioned about them being used to being a top ten defense reminded me of a line from a song. We're from top ten to not mention at all. Oh yeah, I mean that's what I mean pretty much. I mean, even though that was against my favorite rapper, but it's all good though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, I mean, God, it's like, what the hell happened to the Lions in the past year? Like, that's a good I, question. I'm, I'm starting to see that defense vanish. Imagine Stafford. they ain't looking as good as he once did. They still don't have a run game, a dependable. I mean, they've wanted in quite a few running backs. I mean, honestly, I thought Reggie Bush was going to be a key factor when he got hurt. I mean, the fact that Reggie Bush is versatile. He can run up the middle, run outside, and catch on the back. And shit, return run. And kick off. I mean, they still have that. And they bought in uh, fucking Abdullah from the draft store. How the fuck this team cannot run the fucking ball? It's beyond me. That's been one of the that's been the weakest week in the for the past fucking decade. They haven't been able to run the ball. The reason why they Detroit can't get they haven't had a run game since Barry Sanders left. They haven't had a run game since Barry Sanders left. Let's be let's be honest. That is very true. I mean, but, but, I mean, Barry, I, I mean, but let's let's, let's be for real about that though. Let's, let's be honest, man. Barry, Barry Sanders was just a unique individual, man. His athleticism, I mean, yeah. his his, it just was exceptional, man. But I mean, think about it though. I mean, Barry was pretty much a one man team. Like, I mean, he exactly. had Herman Cole. The best quarterback he's had was Scott Mitchell, and Scott Mitchell was a fucking bum. Yeah. <laughs> he really didn't, really, really didn't have no O-line because, I mean, for every great guy I, I, I say all the time. 
I say all the time that if Barry Sanders had the old line that Emmitt Smith had, it would have been a wrap. It would have been a wrap. It would have been a wrap. If you know if Bernie Sanders would have had the old line with the with a top caliber quarterback. Oh shit! It would have been a wrap, dude. Here's something funny though. He was the all-time rushing record that season. He had broken that season. Then he retired in 1999. Meaning that if Burry would have broken in 99, when Burry would have broken in 99, say he had retired about 2001, Emmett would have Emmett would have came second. The closest Emmett would have came second. Because I mean Burry was ahead of him in 99. Yeah, yeah. Well, Emmett would have caught. I think Barry was about Barry. I don't even. I think Barry. Matter of fact, I don't think Barry was that far from it. Barry could have. I think Barry could have broke that record in fucking three games, if that. Probably. I really think so too. I mean, I think just you know Barry. Barry Sanders, you know, because of the team he had. And what he had around him, it was he had to preserve his own health because he knew that eventually it was going to catch up to him. You know, trying to do everything on his own. And had like 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 Bishop mentioned, had he had the same offensive line that Emmett had during his time during the glory days of the Cowboys, then trust and believe me, Barry Sanders would have been just he'd have been killing Bama. He'd have been killing Bama. And the Detroit Lions probably would have won a championship by now. Yep, I believe so. Yeah, I think I think I think one of the greatest runs I've I, I've seen Barry do was the one where he shook Reggie White out his socks. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. not too many places to say. Not too many places to say that. Yeah, that's what oh, players say that they shook Barry. They shook. Oh, well, we got ninety seconds. Oh yeah, well yeah. Get it Man, this show went up fast, dude. It always does. I don't really. I don't, dude, I don't really have much else to say. I mean, I think we said a lot with with this one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, I, we did exactly get out a lot. I mean, you know, we did cover some sports. Oh, yeah. That's my man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, For those who don't know, he 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 had a lot of signatures on the petition. So we will be seeing him soon <laughs> in the octagon. But uh, yeah. Um, since we're all, since all three of us are on the phone right about now, um, 
Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you will catch you will catch me, Till, Ham, Bishop tomorrow night on the Skybox, <laughs> 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central. Yeah, tomorrow I'm gonna, get my, I'm gonna get my title back. God damn it! Tomorrow I'm get I'm, I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my first one. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna get my first one. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, it's cool. I mean, I, I don't like the loser, but I'm, at the same time, I'm a respect. I'm a respectable loser. I'm, I'm, I'm coming for victory tomorrow. I'm coming for nigga's head tomorrow. I don't give a shit. <laughs> this, this shall be good. This shall be good. <laughs> I, 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 I had to call in. I had to call in and show, show my boy some love, man. That's all true, that. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. I mean, you know, especially on the Friday nights where I don't got to work a part-time, you know. I make a little call to uh, his and hers, you know, to say my little, say my little piece to go on the subject. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, one of these days, I'm going to call into the, to, to, to his or hers and talk some trash myself. You should. You should. It's very, it's very interesting. I just, I just hope you don't you don't get a chick that that mouth that mouth is so dry that she can light a match with her tongue. Oh please don't, please. I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, please don't, please don't. What what that mouth do? <laughs> light a match or light some dynamite? Damn. Man, that mouth give you that's a dick. <laughs> okay, on that, note, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, we we're out. out. We're out. Good night. Holla. <laughs>